0: Welcome to episode 231 of the Rugby League Republic podcast with your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. In this episode, we discuss the magic round, the most lucrative positions in the NRL, how the NRL can improve themed rounds and much, much more. Join us as we build a rugby league community for all. The Rugby League Republic podcast starts right now. Welcome to episode 231 of the Rugby League Republic podcast, where we aim to bring you the everyday fan's perspective on the greatest game of all, Rugby League. This is Rugby League for the people. I'm your co-host, Dr. T, and joining me is Tish. Tish, how are you going? Magic round is upon us. Are you pumped up?
1: Yeah, Dr. T, I am, because the footy has been absolutely sensational, right? And um, yeah, so I'm doing well and really enjoying the NRL season. Of course, uh, we're in the mid-season now, Magic Round, and uh, State of Origin is less than a month away as well. So, yeah, a lot happening in the world of rugby league. How about yourself, Dr. T? How's, how's your
0: uh, NRL um, excitement levels out of 10? Well... <laughs> Well Tish it's uh up and down just like the eels this year. <laughs> <laughs> my 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 mood is often shaped by the eels performance on the weekend. Wow. So this week I am I'm fine and dandy because we have defeated
1: the mm. premiers,
0: the reigning premiers, the almost unstoppable Panthers. Yes. Well, the Eels stop them just like they stopped the almost unstoppable Melbourne Storm a few weeks earlier. The Eels, when it counts, when it matters, para matters. That's that's what that's oh, what they wow. say. Oh wow, love it, love it. But that's not, good. but not when, but not when we play lower ranked teams of course that's when we when that's when we drop points which is disappointing but uh look consistency is the key here and I think uh you know we want we want the Eels to look we want the Eels to be there at the mm. end of the season we don't want to be in a position where we drop easy games and then end up fighting uh in, in sudden death in the top eight uh, finals series we mm. want to make sure we give ourselves every chance to get into that top four get yeah. that extra week uh, uh you know just in case and look if you're mm. if you're testing yourself against the the litmus test uh you know the 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 yardsticks of the the league melbourne and penrith mm. well we've ticked both boxes because we've def- we're the only team to defeat both of them this year wow. and so That's a good sign. I'm pretty happy about that. Magic round is upon us, Mm. and uh, it's all happening over there in Brisbane, Suncorp Stadium. We are going to talk a a little bit about that and uh, and about a few other things uh, related to other themed rounds, and we've also got a few other very interesting topics lined up. We're going to look at the most lucrative uh, positions in the NRL. That's going to be a great discussion. And a few other things here and there, but before we, so uh, I was going to say, let's, without any further ado, let's jump into our round nine review, uh, our tackle number one, shall we? All right, tackle number one, round nine review. Um, I'll quickly go through the scores, and then Tish, I'll hand over to you to give me a, uh, your highlight of the week of the of the round. So, look, the weekend started, uh, round nine started on Thursday at, at Stadium Australia with the Broncos flogging South Sydney 32-12. So, in the Adam Reynolds Cup, uh, the current Adam Reynolds team was a winner. Um, Canberra Raiders 14-4 to four against the Bulldogs on Friday night. The other Friday night game, obviously, we're going to talk a little bit about that. Uh, the Eels 22-20 over the reigning premiers, the Panthers, in front of 20 21,000 or so screaming fans at Blue Bet Stadium, Manly 36 over West Tigers 22, obviously a big day for uh, defense there, uh, Roosters 44 to 16 against the Titans against a pretty small crowd. Um, Of 5,000 or so Cowboys 36 to 16 flogging the Newcastle Knights at Queensland Country Bank Stadium, Melbourne Storm 42 to 6, another flogging against the Dragons this time at Amy Park uh, on the Sunday afternoon and the final game Sunday uh, twilight game at 4 p.m. Cronulla Sharks 29 to 10 against the Warriors Um, Tish, I'll hand over to you. What was your highlight of the round?
1: All right. Well, look, lots of great rounds, great games, lots of great uh, sort of scores, uh, interesting scores. And I'd say after watching all the games, well, most of the games that I watched on the weekend, the ones that stood out to me um, is actually what the highlight is because it wasn't actually the games themselves were a the highlight. They were high drama. It was it was good, but it was the atmosphere around the ground that was absolutely spectacular. And that to me, the highlight has to be. I think the return of rugby league crowds in suburban Sydney grounds, um, you know, like uh, the Panthers at a full house at Panther Stadium, taking on the Eels. It's a grudge match, Western Sydney. It was a great atmosphere. And, um, you know, and then like, you know, for every time, for every like, you know, 30 or 40 Panthers jerseys you, you'd see, You'd see a Parramatta jersey. And, you know, everybody's not just going to the – everybody's wearing their color jerseys as well, right? And then plus, you know, Manly and the the Tigers the next day, you know, it was a Saturday day game. Um, You know, I I think the Tigers should have worn more of their Western suburbs strip myself. So that was probably the only negative about that. But then it looked so great to watch it on TV to see um, a packed house at Brookvale. Um, I believe it's their current ground capacity, Um, their biggest crowd in the last two years. Uh, all three you know all three uh you know uhvoy which brothers played um turbo burbo and gerbo right um <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if that's correct or not but yeah and then um yeah and then even the sharks game look uh, look the, the, the crowd figure of the sharks is about 9,000. but i believe in the middle of this uh construction phase of Point bit stadium in chuck like chuck park at the moment um i believe that is the ground capacity right now. But even even with the construction going on, the packed house at the Cronulla Sharks also, you know, the overhead cam are like shots what they have with the drone, it looks really good. And um and I've it's it's been a theme this year, I believe, uh with uh, you know, with the NRL. Every time they go to a suburban ground, they do the drone shots from from above. You know, Wind Stadium looks spectacular when it's packed. Um so does the Panthers Stadium. So does uh, Brookvale. I don't. There's yet to be a game at Leichhardt. So at the you know this year, but I can't wait for the game at Leichhardt because I think that's also going to look absolutely spectacular. So for me, Doctor T, I've got to say, um, you know, I know we're going to talk about the the, the you know uh, the the Penrith Parramatta game, but you know, I'll hand it over to you shortly. But I've got to say that the grounds were really a highlight for me.
0: Yeah. Look, and look, I agree. I think it's. Uh, uh, it's it's great to see the crowds coming back, you know at least some semblance of them coming back with, with a bit of a vengeance in Sydney suburban grounds, um, you know, and even even in areas and teams that are not necessarily lighting the. The Premiership on fire. I mean, the Manly home crowds have been pretty good. Obviously, Penrith are leading the comp and have been doing really well, and have built very well their uh, their their crowds and and their fan base, which is really good. Um, there's still a long way to go. I mean, the numbers aren't spectacular, but I think they're they're improving, and that's the main thing. After what we've been through in the last few years around the world, I think it's good to see people starting to slowly come back and and uh, you know get back to some semblance of normality. And and with that as a segue, my highlight of the round has to be uh, the not normality, the abnormality of what the <laughs> eels tend to do, which is which is uh, you know surprise everyone with really ramping up and as uh, crunch games when it matters. Now you might say, well, it doesn't really matter now because it's early in the season, but we're talking a, a white-hot Penrith Panthers mm. who who was, re, you know, raging favourites going into this game against the Eels, even though the Eels have kind of, uh, you know, gone toe-to-toe with them in the last few years. Look, I would say they were kind of, you know, semi-robbed last year of an opportunity to to proceed in the finals. They, they were that close to defeating the Panthers, who ended up being the eventual premier. So I think the Eels you know, would have really got themselves motivated for this. And they certainly did. They played out of their skins. They deserved the victory. Um, you know, there was some controversy there at the end about uh, certain things here and there. I think there was also controversy with the referee where an obvious knock-on from Kikau was missed completely. Um, somehow Jared Sutton uh, lives to fight another day, <laughs> does not get sacked. <laughs> whereas almost every other time we've had a, a referee blunder has led to a, a sacking of someone mm. even if they're in the bunker. Yeah. So I don't know I don't know what Jared Sutton again it's the Jared Sutton effect with Parramatta. It, I've said this before. There's uh you know I don't know what's going on but it's a bit unusual that he, he got away with it without being punished uh, for an obvious error. But having said that, probably because it didn't affect the result, the Eels won anyway. Um but Yeah, in my mind, the the highlight – look, there were other – I mean, you can't go past also what the Broncos have done to re-establish themselves. Mm. Um, I wouldn't say as premiership contenders just yet. I would say definitely top eight contenders at the moment. And and really, it all boils down to – and I know people don't like hearing these sort of things. It's not about one player. There's no I in team. But, geez, it makes such a difference when you get someone like, like an Adam Reynolds in your team at halfback to to rally the troops, to game manage. You know, they've got a lot of skill and a lot of firepower, the Broncos, and have had for a few years. They just haven't had the right general to, to mm. organise the troops. And that's really evident now i mean look at the difference Souths without adam reynolds was just flogged by a brisbane with adam reynolds yeah and and i know that we've there's other factors at play there's the trail at play and all these things but wayne bennett realistically it's about the void in leadership at the robito's which we're going to talk about in a minute as well mm. but also the fact that you know you know, halfbacks don't always have to do everything. They're not always the. You know, we talk about the in having an X factor in in a halves combination. Usually, a five eight that does, you know, does the uh, does the creative kind of thing, and a halfback usually just well, at least nowadays, if they can do the basics, strong kicking game, good organizing, usually talks a lot, usually is the captain. Um, that's kind of what the role of the halfback has evolved to now. And, you know, you might not say, well, that was always the case, but uh, I think I think it's fair to say that we've had various forms of halfbacks over the years. Mm. If you compare Stewart, Sturlow, you know, Alan Langer, Andrew Johns, they're different styles of halfbacks. They've got different skill sets. But nowadays, um, you know, someone like a, if you look at the top halfbacks backs, Cleary, Reynolds, Daly Cherry, Evans, you know, they're renowned for their extremely strong and accurate kicking game. Mm. They're renowned for being organisers. Um, they're renowned for also not being afraid to run, although Reynolds doesn't run as much, but the ones yep. that are successful tend to be able to run and hit the line. And who's to their who's off to their side at 5'8"? The creativeness of uh, the creativity of mm. Jerome Luai. Mm. The creativity of uh whoever Manly's one is, uh, you know, there's it well, it, and and again, it's about having someone as an offsider to be the X factor, Luke Brooks and um Jackson Hastings, same sort mm. of thing, so yeah. Um, and I guess that's gonna be my segue <laughs> into tackle number two. Right, look, look, before we go, um, oh, so yeah, 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 just just wanted to ask you,
1: just going back to that Parramatta Penrith game, right? Um just uh well firstly a comment on Dylan Brown. Um I think out oh, of yes. all out of all the halves uh in that game uh if you look at the stats he had the most running meters he had the most uh sort of uh, runs and he was a big factor in that game I've got to say and it was interesting cuz I actually felt that Moses did not get tackled. Um he might have run the ball but I think he always offloaded right? But Dylan Brown was probably the most engagement. So I thought that was good. The other thing that I wanted to ask you, Dr. C, is that a lot of people putting Melbourne and uh, Penrith as their, as their, you know, the two teams, like, you know, this is tier one. This is, you know, it's a two horse race to the end, right? Um, But now Paramount has beaten both. Yeah, they're inconsistent, but it does show that they just got to get to the finals and they could ruffle a few feathers do you put them in the same class as Melbourne and and Penrith, or, or would you say that they're still sort of the next tier down? Uh,
0: look, that's a good question. I think it's hard to tell. Mm. Look, again, the the fact that we seem to have the wood on both of the teams means that if you were to put us in a knockout comp with those two, I would be pretty confident that Parramatta would come out on top in yeah. most circumstances, just because they've been consistently. Um, it beating both teams in the last couple of years. And so, but there are other teams in the comp. <laughs> there are other yeah. points that they need to get. And the consistency is my concern with Parramatta. Mm. I would say they, they're kind of just, at, you know, biting at the heels of both Penrith and Melbourne in terms of their consistency and how clinical they are. I think Parramatta are too inconsistent at the moment and, um Look, and even though this is not this is not the same, but the way I look at it, you know, in tennis, everyone's been talking for years about Federer and Nadal, and then from the clouds comes Djokovic with building on the numbers, and he snuck up on them. And you know, I think in one case is like level pegging in terms of number of number of uh, Grand Slams or things like that. So. Before you know it, you've got mm. a team like Parramatta that comes from nowhere, that flies under the radar. People are just looking at Melbourne and Penrith as the, as the yardsticks, as I said, and forgetting that Parramatta are up there with them, and that's okay because it means that we can have a we can give them an, a bit of an ambush in the final series. But what it means is that uh, I wonder whether not having that kind of uh, you know uh, that kind of reputation mm. would actually, you know, uh, I guess shoot the confidence down a little bit of the Parramatta team. So, can you imagine you you beat the you you consistently beat the two trendsetters for the last several years in the NRL, and yet you're still not considered – and you, you got so close in the last couple of years to a grand final appearance, your first in a long time, and yet you're still not considered in the top tier. I mean, how <laughs> how confidence-shattering would that be? Yeah. What else would you have to do as a Parramatta team? Well, I can tell you what they need to do. They need to win the games that they, they can easily win. They yeah. need to show consistency. That's how you get that reputation. So it's a good question, Tish. Um, but, yeah, I would say they're just sort of – they're just there, but uh, I think uh, you know, uh, a hidden, hidden third. Mm.
1: Okay, okay, yeah.
0: Look, yeah.
1: I think I think a lot of it's if people. I think, uh, yeah. Look, I suppose it really doesn't matter what people think. It, it, what happens on the ground, right? Um, I think it's like this for Parramatta. If they could finish top three, I think they could go get to the grand final. Um, I think winning the grand final is. It's a little hard to say until the actual day. Right. Like, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I think that,
0: we just need to get there. I think that's yeah, been the issue I, with us.
1: And I think they'll get there if they could get in the top three. Um, you know, I think even if they come fourth, I think it'd just be because they for, if they come fourth, it'd be that thing that you're you are you are mentioning. They they sort of dropped games here or there that they shouldn't have dropped, and it's gonna play in their minds when they get to the final series. Um and look, I don't know if I don't know if this is even possible if you know within the NRL bylaws or whatever. But I would try and get Wayne Bennett to be a coaching
0: consultant for the final series. Oh, that's a good one. Mm. I mean, look, the other thing is, I I mean, even better, Tish, I would say why not, I mean, in the news this week is the great NFL, great Tom Brady, who's just signed on uh, for a very long-term contract in the media. I I, I won't name the company, but – um, you know, big media company over there as an analyst, as a reporter, et cetera. Um, he's going to make more money with this company in his post in his retirement from the NRL than he, the NFL sorry than he ever did now as a player in the NFL. But I would say if you want some inspiration and I think Brad Arthur, if you're listening, um, you may not be able to score a Wayne Bennett interview <laughs> or a, or a pep talk. Why not go outside completely of this sport and go to the NFL? We know the boys look up to the, the NFL players mm. and, and it's a big biggest sort of footballing competition, uh biggest money sort of spinner in the world. Why not go to them and to their greatest of all time, their GOAT to Tom Brady, and see if we can get him to come to Australia or to give them a video linked kind of uh pep talk about what it means. To what mentality you need to have going into a grand final? I think that would be awesome. But anyway, we've we digress massively. Yeah, um, but yeah, yeah get, there yeah. is absolutely. Um, yeah, the eels have uh, got got me on a high this week. But um, you know, as an eels long term eels fan, don't get your hopes up. <laughs> That's what I say. Like. <laughs> be realistic. So anyway, let's go on to tackle number two. We're going to talk about Captain Cody Walker. Here we go. We've heard the news that Cody Walker, South Sydney Rabbitohs 5'8", has been named captain for the South Sydney Rabbitohs for the Magic Round game against the New Zealand Warriors. Um, obviously, he's been struggling a little bit this year with his form. He had a really great 2021, but this year he's struggling a bit. He's getting, you know, he's a bit down. He's, mm. he's acting a bit frustrated on the field and off the field as well. And, uh, and and basically, uh, yeah, it's been it's been announced that look, the Rabbitohs are handing him the captaincy for this game. They're giving him the message basically that, look, you need to step up and be a leader and an example for the rest of your teammates. Tish, put yourself uh, in in your mind as South Sydney coach. Is this a move that you would have made?
1: Yeah. Okay. So. Is this a move I would have made? Um, you know what, Doctor T? Look, and it, uh, I'm going to say no, <laughs> right? Okay, because because I feel like um, I think the most important, like you know, there's different definitions of leadership here or there out there, but like you know, leadership comes down to influence at the end of the day, um, because people got to be able to follow you um, and and follow your behaviour, and I feel like um, I feel like you you got to be showing leadership qualities before you get made a leader, right? And then now you're trying to transform the leader into, like, you're trying to improve his game by giving him more responsibility. I don't necessarily believe that's the right move for Cody Walker, um, because I think, if anything, he's uh, like, he's getting frustrated because he's overthinking everything because he's got too much to think about, right? How do I guide young Lachlan Elias? Um, because I didn't have to do that last year. I had Adam Reynolds um managing the team while while you know but now this halfback i've got to try and help him manage the team but then i also have to do my role right and um if anything i'd be decreasing his uh i'd be delegating out his his uh his his responsibilities and i'd be like cody you are a game winner you are you are james maloney right um yeah, you've got a little bit of fight and everything, but that's kind of what makes your spe- makes you special too, right? I want you to go out and win the game for us. You know, that's it. Like whatever you have to do to win the game, um, you know. And we're not going to make you captain because you're going to probably have to tell off a player for being in the wrong position when you needed him to be in a certain position, right? And they're probably going <laughs> to not going to be emotionally uh, <laughs> happy about it. But we want you to be that because um, in the big plays is when we, is when we need you, right? I feel like. Now you're giving him like. Okay, firstly, you're giving him the the babysitting job of the uh the, yeah, babysit the new halfback, and now you're giving him. All right, you know what? Captain the team. I don't know if if that is going to get the best out of him. In my opinion, if that's your goal, right? Like you know, and if your goal is to win games, I feel like you have got to let your best players play their game and um and play them in their best position. Um, and I'd give the captaincy to another person who. Who you sort of feel like? The way he plays is the what is what you want the rest of the team to do, which would be somebody who's like you know, yeah, making fifty tackles a game or or doing you know or running mo- more than hundred meters per game. You want some sort of inspiration from from somebody who you know like somebody who kind of um, does all the the behind the you know the the not flamboyant stuff you know like gets back to ten and you know, like runs down, does a, does a, you know, a charge down or something like that, um, you know, runs the block decoy plays or something like that. You know, th- that's the type of inspirational person you want to have. Like, you know, gets a big tackle in. I don't know if Cody is the guy to do that for uh, the Rabbitohs. So I'd say bad move. And um, if they're pl- – okay, I don't know who they're pl- – I can't remember who they're playing this week, but if they're playing any other War- team – The or-
0: Warriors, the Warriors. Okay.
1: Oh well, okay. Well, the Warriors, <laughs> the Warriors couldn't beat eleven players, so they'll probably win this week. <laughs> I think you know Cronulla down to eleven players, and the Warriors couldn't score, right? That's kind of
0: so. So they're not throwing him in the deep end; they're throwing him in the shallow end. So yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: exactly, exactly. So, so they might still win, uh, but I don't think he's a long-term solution as captain um, because I don't think I, I don't think I want him to captain. I, I think I want him to to win the game for us. That's what I'm thinking. Your your thoughts structure today?
0: Um. Look, Tish. First of all, excellent analysis there, and you—you you almost convinced me. But I actually—and I didn't—I I, didn't—I didn't mean for this to be this way. But I completely disagree with Ooh. your view. Okay. I actually think this is a good move, and I'll tell you why. Two two main reasons. One is it's the distraction; it can distract him, and secondly, it can increase his involvement. And so let let me go through both. So the, the distraction thing is interesting you say this. And look, and this is why I think you almost convinced me because the idea of let him concentrate on his game, do what he does best, take the burden away of captaincy away from someone like a Cody Walker. He needs to get back to focusing on what he can do best. Um, that's a good argument. I'm not disagreeing in most cases I would agree with that however in this case I think the reason why one of the reasons potentially why he's not doing he, he's he hasn't been able to re- recapture his form from last year is as you said when someone is overthinking things when someone is frustrated on the field so I guess the body language is and the the way they behave and react to um, to various, stimuli on the field is what indicates what his issue is so i'm wondering whether his issue is that he's overthinking things and 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 uh not you know not in the zone you know you're not uh and for someone like him who you know can operate on you know muscle memory and football muscle memory if that even makes sense um You don't want someone like that overthinking things. You want him to be creative. Mm. And I think the way you get him to be creative is to get him thinking about other things, get him thinking about the bigger picture. Nothing gets you thinking about the bigger picture more than being a captain. Now, being a captain doesn't mean you've got to – you're not like – uh, you're not herding cats or, you know, in charge of 101 Dalmatians trying to – it's not about that. You know, that's not your job. Your job is not to, to make sure that every everything goes perfectly smoothly. Um, your job is to look at the bigger picture, game manage, you know, um, inspire, motivate, you know, put a rocket up someone who's not motivated, um, comfort, you know, that kind of thing. And I think Cody Walker's got the respect of his – colleagues as a leader anyway. He's one of the most experienced. He's the player that they looked to last year in the grand final, wasn't able to deliver for them, but, you know, tried his heart out and almost did deliver for them. Um, you know, so they they already looked to him as one of the star players. And therefore, you know, just like, people, you know, the clubs that had James Maloney in them would look to James Maloney or a Cooper Cronk for a clutch play, everyone looks to Cody Walker at the Rabbitohs for a clutch play. And so with that in mind, you would think, well, why would you give someone like that a, a captaincy? Well, in my mind, uh, it's the ideal thing to do because he, uh, he needs to stop thinking so much about his particular task and think more about the bigger picture. And when people who are creative, I believe, when they think about the bigger picture, that's when they see other things. That's when they see other opportunities. If he's only looking at, I'm going to try and, you know, get through that hole and, and pass it to that player or chip kick over there, rather than looking at the bigger picture of where his team is positioned, and he may miss other opportunities. So I think it may help his creativity. Um, it may help to distract him from whatever he's doing that he's too stuck in his own head. Uh, and i think that's you need to you need to grab him out of that uh rabbit hole so there's no pun intended grab him out of the rabbit hole uh and make him look a bit broader and the captaincy will do that and the other thing was uh what was the other thing i said distraction and involvement yeah. so look involvement i think you know i i'm not sure of the stats whether but i can i can guess that for a player who's been who, who's a creative player? Who gets frustrated? Things aren't working out. They're not going looking for the ball as much as they as as they are when they're when they're in their zone or at their confidence peak. Um, so I'm guessing the stats will show that this year Cody Walker has gone missing on occasions. Uh, people used to say the same thing about the great Brad Fittler. You know, goes missing, only injects himself when he feels like it, and it it may, makes him look lazy. You know, people say the same thing about Latrell Mitchell and others. And and I think in the case of Cody Walker, um being the captain uh will will force him to be more involved in the game. Mm. Um, will force him to, you know, and I think maybe that, that is yeah. another thing is that South, if you're a South coach, you want him to be more involved. You want him to have his hand on the ball at least once every set of six. And if he's not doing that now, well, hopefully being a captain will make him think twice about sitting back because, again, it's a reminder because you've got a C next to your name on the team sheet that you are the captain, you are the leader. You've been nominated by by your, your boss, the coach, as the leader. And so, you know, put those two things together and I think those are the reasons why this is actually a really good move um look and for those look i've seen this in 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 other contexts as well i've done this as well as in work in, in my work as well and people who've worked in corporate corporate world or whatever where you've had to manage teams um you see the same thing when you've got some star players who aren't putting in or who are frustrated things aren't going their way you know the counterintuitive thing to do which can sometimes work in your favor is to actually elevate them and give them more responsibility because they're frustrated because things aren't going their way they feel out of their control so what's one way to get them back in control give them the captaincy give them the reins so here you go have at it you drive for a bit and sometimes that's the best thing you can do for someone who is uh, skilled but frustrated for whatever reasons that things aren't going their way, give them back a bit of control. So, yeah, sorry for the long spiel, but I think this is a great mm. move. I think it'll start paying dividends almost immediately. Yeah. But I do uh, one little sort of caveat. We're not expecting him to be a great leader straight away. Leaders leaders sometimes have to learn <laughs> learn yeah. the ropes. So he may he may falter at times, but I think – if they stick with him, I think it will be an experiment that will work because um again, you've got another natural leader there in Damien Cook, but he's not always got the opportunity to see the bigger picture because his role is to get the momentum going. And sometimes a hooker is a bit disadvantaged in doing that because they're too stuck in, into getting the momentum going. Mm. And also Damien Cook, you know, tackles more than almost anyone in the league. So, you know, he's busy as, and Cody Walker is not. And I think, uh, Yeah, um, that's my view. Tish, do you have a final counterpoint before we move on?
1: Um, Look, I think, um, yeah, look, I think we can agree to disagree. Um, I just think that, I'm just thinking about good captains in the NRL, um, talking to the referee after every decision, (laughs) right, (laughs) you know, and doing things like that. I think he's going to take too much away from what Cody needs to do. I don't necessarily agree with you that he needs to have the ball every set of six because the reason why he's so magic is because a part of magic is disappearing and then appearing when needed. And I feel like you lose (laughs) that element. So, yeah, but it'd be interesting. And look, all the best to him. If if this works, then genius, you know, on the part of South Sydney. So, um, but let's, uh, yeah, let's... I suppose the Warriors will be a good starting point and let's let's see how it goes over the next few weeks. So yeah. All
0: right, tackle number three. We're gonna talk about the most lucrative positions in the NRL revealed, splashing the cash. Tish, what did you find this week?
1: Yeah, well, this week there's been a lot of talk because it was, I think it was the article first published in the Sun, Sydney Morning Herald. It could have been the Telegraph, but then uh, a few outlets have been talked about it, but then, you know, I've got the information from Fox Sports. Um, but basically, um, the, uh, you know, so there's a column in, the Fox, in Fox Sports from the NRL Economist, which re- re- reveals – Um, The confidential salary arrangements, which shows the variety of salaries paid for each player in each position. So the average salaries are provided are not estimates They reveal uh, the officially lodged earnings across the entire NRL. So um, basically what, what this is, is information on each position. And what the average salary of each position is, um, and then the other thing that ha- that they've done is that they've taken the top five earners of each position and then given that average. So um, if we just start off, uh, I'll just read out some of the ones um, from the average sal- salary point of view. Um, so and then we we'll, we'll have a bit of a discussion. So um, the highest page average salary starts off at fullback with four hundred five thousand, then five-eighths at three ninety three. Number three is halfbacks at 372. Four, um, that's 372,000, of course. Props um, coming in at 319,000. Locks coming in at number five at 317. Um, Back rowers at 304. Centers at 302. Dummy halves at 284. And wingers at 221. Um, And uh, you know, when you just take the top five and give the average of them in each position, then actually the halfbacks come in at number one at nine hundred and seventeen thousand. Uh, fullbacks come in at eight twenty-three. 5 uh, Five eights come in at seven ninety-six. Lock forwards at seven oh five. Props at six eighty-five. Centers at six sixty-two. Uh, back rows at six forty-one. Hookers at six. 6- 33 and wingers at 513 so dr t uh with those numbers and those positions you know what positions do you feel are undervalued and which ones do you feel are overvalued and um and and how do you think this compares to how we've uh you know how each position was valued uh over the years because because i feel like it, there's been a bit of a change but i'll, I'll get your thoughts first
0: Yeah, I think I know what you're talking about. And first of all, thanks for finding this because this is, uh, you know, I love to look at some stats and some data when it comes to rugby league. Uh, And this is a really fascinating one. As you said, you've just gone through two lists uh, where you've ranked the, you know, in terms of average salaries and then the average of just the top five earners uh, for each team list. And fascinating. Um, Hooker out of the nine positions comes in at number eight, on both, which is very, very interesting. And by a fair way behind, um, you know, in terms of average uh, for across Mm. the NRL, uh, behind the the other three positions in the spine, halfback, fullback, five-eighth. You know, if you look at just the average, the fullback is the highest paid by a little bit. um, You know, let's just say, what is that, seven, about 12K, and then it's another roughly 20K behind the five. So 5-8 is number two, and then halfback is 20k behind. But when you look at just the top five earners, well, the halfbacks actually end up being highest paid. Now, again, it's not by much when you look at just the top three, but it's very clear to see that in both the lists that um that that have been published, uh you've got fullback, five-eighth, and halfback you know, clear kind of, I wouldn't say, e- you know, maybe equal first and then, then the next kind of category is props and locks are very close to each other as well in terms of mm. both average and average of top five and hooker way down. So, again, if you're looking at, we talk about the spine and the importance of the hooker. It sounds like that nowadays the hooker has kind of reduced its importance and, um, you know, for whatever reason, hookers aren't paid as much as they, I guess, as much as they used to. And, and look, fair enough. I mean, how many? I know we talk about the spine, but do you know of any real star hookers in the league? Mm. Not really. I mean, maybe maybe Cam Smith, if he was there, would uh, <laughs> would completely change that list in terms of who's the highest earner. Surely that would bring up the average a little bit. Mm. But I think there's a clear trend, and I think what you were alluding to is, yeah, hookers are not paid as much as I guess we think they are in in terms of importance and value. Mm. And certainly, the value seems to be in the halfbacks, the fullbacks, and the five eights. And um, I think that kind of marries up with what we've been saying and what we've been seeing, where you've got some half, sorry, fullbacks that have been, uh, you know. Versatile enough that they can play center and winger if need be, but also they're considered often some of the most creative players in their respective teams, the most important players. I mean, Gutho, you know, Teddy, um, you, you name it, the fullbacks are, are some of the, you know, we talk about Papenhuizen and others, New South Wales, there's a plethora mm. of fullbacks to choose from, Tommy Turbo, you know, these are genuine stars of the game. And I think the reason is that, uh, you know, they, the, the modern fullback has obviously, uh, the, you know, it's not about defense, it is about attack, really, yep. nowadays. Um, you won't get the, you know, we talked last week about Gary Jack and Gary Belcher, you know, players of that ilk. You, you just need to be fairly competent as a fullback, uh, not necessarily be the greatest tackler, um, or you need to definitely show um, pro- proficiency in offense mm. and creativity. And that's what, and I think that's, that's where the big bucks come is, uh, you know, the most creative players in the team, uh, the halfback, the fullback, and the 5 eight. and I think creativity has been is what's been rewarded here. You might say, why is prop and lock rewarded? Well, uh, I'm not sure where lock fits in, but certainly props have always, almost always, been considered, you know, the rock on which uh, the teams are built. You know, a good go forward. Locks, yeah. I think, locks, I think, are there because out of the forwards, they're the most creative. Um, yeah, You know, we talked about Bradley Clyde, uh, the Canberra, the greatest Canberra team of all time, features Bradley Clyde and Bradley Clyde not on his own, but as part of a scrum-based combination. Um, so we were alluding to this last week, Tish, Maybe, mm. maybe that Canberra Raiders discussion should make us rethink the importance of the lock. Maybe the lock has been devalued over time and now – the lock is coming into fruition a bit more. So yeah. that's my view. What are your thoughts on the stats and what you're seeing? Well,
1: look, this is evidence of what I was alluding to at the start of the year, where I, I believe that the spine has changed in rugby league. Um, we call it a four-man spine. I believe it is actually a five-man spine because I think the lock position is is the spine. And uh, to be fair, I, I mean, the way I came to that conclusion was – because they're the only positions where you only have one of that player, <laughs> right? So you yeah. only have one fullback, you <laughs> only have one, yeah. So, and, and, but, but what you notice, and I think the team that I see this the most at is actually Brisbane is, and, and Patrick Carrigan in particular, right? Um, if you look at like the way they attack Brisbane is that Patrick Carrigan is the player that sort of links the halfback to the 5'8th right so he might take the ball one up and then switch it to the other side of the ruck and um you know to, to sort of like have the have the attack uh keep off off guard or he would play um you know he'd be the link like they basically just link all the creative plays together and that's kind of what the the lock is sort of doing uh, around around the thing they also i think um protect in defense, they sort of protect the, um, you know, the, the behind the play the ball. Like, I know you've got the two markers, but, you know, the, usually the first in tack, you know, tackler would be either be a prop or a lock. And I think that's why they're, they're a bit similar that way. Um, and I think that's that's where their importance has been. Um, and I think for the hooking, I think, to be fair, I think this trend is if you actually look at the top line hookers, you've got, Damien Cook and Appy Coruscant are the two probably most established hookers that you have right now. Um, and and those guys would be on fairly big money. But I think there's a dramatic drop with the rest because, like, you know, the Queensland uh, hooker at the moment is is Harry Grant. And Harry Grant's a great player, but he's sort of really young in his career, right? Um But he's in the top uh, sort of hookers as well. I think you could say the same with Reed Money. I don't uh, look if if Reed Money probably hasn't had that big money contract yet. Um, Neither has um, sort of some of the, uh, you know, I'm trying to think of some of the others that are there. Um, You know, there isn't that many sort of like a Cam Smith, Benny Elias, Steve Walters, Carol Walters, that type of thing, right? you know, sort of uh, in the NRL right at the moment. Um, e- even um, you know the Canberra player Josh Hodgson is is injured out and out for the season, right? So I don't know if his figures are, are sort of f- thrown in there. Um, so I think that's what where because I think there's just a big drop off is probably where what that's happening. So yeah, so that's kind of um, yeah. I think it's really interesting how it's sort of all all done. Um, the other thing that I that I was actually thinking about is that um, you know if you like if you're trying to organise a roster. Um, you probably want to get your fullback, your 58 and your halfback set. Uh, but you also know that injuries are going to be play part of the role. So what you do is that you do get some young halfbacks that could fill in as hooker. <laughs> you know, you do get some, mm-hmm. you know, or, you know, and then you do get like sort of some, you know, some, some pretty good hands at fullback, but you have them playing on the wing. Um, so you kind of use those sort of the more high play positions and you sort of get players that can play those positions, but you try to get them to play other positions that um, that sort of complement it. And you kind of seen this with the trend of the way Brad Fittler picks his New South Wales team. Um, you know, the best players are usually fullbacks in a lot of teams. So he picks like 10 of them, <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, um, you know, yeah, without, I mean, I know Rowan Peppenhausen is injured now and he, and he can't miss it for game one. But there's talk that he was going to be there, going to feel like um, you know, the number 14 job. And then you've already got Turbo, Tedesco, let well Mitchell's going to be out, but you would normally have him there as well. Uh, you know so you kind of trying to have four fullbacks. And now and now, look with uh with him injured, the next replacement is Nico Hines who is playing fullback for the Sharks this week, is a halfback this year. But what was the fullback last year, right? So it kind of shows that the versatility of fullbacks these days as well, right? And you know you throw in Gutho in there as well. Like, I think Gutho would be a great choice for New South Wales. I think he could do the job too. But, you know, you kind of just want them on the field somewhere, right? And they could kind of slot into other positions, centres and wings if they don't get, get taken the job. Um, the other interesting thing about all of this is that, like, you know, now wingers... They kind of, you know, don't get the respect maybe as others do, but they usually have the most running metres. <laughs> you know, a Brian Tore runs over 200 metres a game. So these guys are, are paid the lowest, but are doing all the work. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like, And I feel like that's kind of with the hooker as well, right? Somebody's got to be there at every at every uh, play to pass the ball. Uh, but, yeah, the sort of teams kind of value the attacking flair over, over the – the hard yards, you know. So, yeah, I think somebody, somewhere, somewhere, Gary Larson is shedding a tear for the hard workers
0: out there. Don't you think, Dr. T? Yeah, well, I mean, look, <laughs> if you wait long enough, maybe your your position can become uh, popular again. I think that's the, that's mm. the key here. Unless you're halfback and 5'8", I think you're almost always going to be the most important. But, you know, there will come a day when the wingers will rise.
1: Yeah. And- the- <laughs> 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 well, look, it's everybody's favourite piece of a chicken, isn't it? So you can't be favourites everywhere.
0: That's all. That's right, but it doesn't have as as much meat as the rest. That's the other thing. So mm. anyway, all right. Um, Yeah, interesting stats. And look, we'll keep an eye on this because I think it sort of shows us that the most the high the highest paid are usually, in my view, the most creative in the team. And and let's see how this evolves over time. But definitely. I think the stats have kind of confirmed what what our suspicion has been all along, Tish, in terms of the role of the hooker and the increasing kind of scope of the spine. Um, but, all right, let's move on to tackle number four. Here we go. All right, tackle number four is about... Well, it's about more than just the magic round. It's about how the NRL can improve themed rounds in general. Now, as we're about to enter a magic round, I was flicking around on Twitter and saw Nico Hines. Uh, not sure if it's a verified account, but someone calling <laughs> himself Nico Hines <laughs> looks like the real deal um, on Twitter, who put a post up suggesting uh, that that for Magic Round that the NRL should ask uh, should get the clubs to design special jerseys. Specifically for Magic Round, which uh, the players can then sign and then auction off, and proceeds going to charity. I think he was referring to, you know, one-off kind of jersey, but there's also potential for, you know, jerseys that fans can buy. Maybe, maybe it can be mass-produced and uh, or, or limited editions or things like that, which I think is a great idea. And yeah. it also got me thinking, you know, are there other other possible ideas that we could incorporate into other rounds, other themed rounds that the NRL tends to have every year. We have a few, um, but we've said this before, Tish, that I feel like sometimes the NRL misses an opportunity to really take advantage of the spirit behind each of these themed rounds. Mm. Um, often it's just simplistic things like, you know, design a special thing or do a special um you know, uh, auction of of, a, of an item with proceeds going to charity. In some cases, there are this this rounds that themed rounds that we've had in the past have been for good causes, like uh, the Mark Hughes. Mm. Is it the Mark Hughes um, brain Round, Yeah, beanie round, yeah, that kind of thing. So there's things like that that um, that definitely the NRL does do well. But I'm talking about the other kind of uh, regular themed rounds and, and what could we do with them. So I thought I'd kind of go through some of them. Let's start with the magic round first, since we are at Magic Round. So I want to start with the Nico Hines suggestion of a jersey that's that that you design, that each team designed specifically for mm. Magic Round. And and I think one of the a, a variation of that, which I which I heard uh, and read about, possibly even in the same thread in Twitter, is uh, the NFL does this thing called a Colour Rush jersey, which is basically they they design special jerseys uh, with, in which the primary colour of that particular team, it's just entirely that colour. So, for instance, um, you know, uh, like, I guess Green Bay would be green because that's their primary colour. Gotcha. Uh, that kind of thing and um i guess kansas city might be red so things like that so mm. um in in our case if you were to do this in the nrl you'd have for in- instance the storm would be purple and and when when you say color rush it's like no variations no v's no whatever it's literally the entire <laughs> outfit wow. is a bright kind of shade or a bright neon kind of <laughs> you know A version of that particular color Mm. so the eels might be i mean i don't know pick it blue or gold whichever one it is might be gold it might be fully gold you know now again that might be a bit too strong but what i've heard is that it's been successful in the nfl in the states so maybe that's something that the uh that the nrl should consider doing um what would it look like you know canberra would be obvious it'd just be green but there are some others that that you might sort of see you know again pick one color whatever it is uh you know manly would be their maroon color that kind of thing um and another thing that that i've thought about uh is when we talk about magic round we talk about you know it being a carnival atmosphere and yet we don't tend to do carnival-type activities Mm. in like we used to. Now, I often reflect back on the great Lee Odenrein from (laughs) Parramatta Eels who defeated Martin of Fire in a 100-metre race. Mm. Um, And I'm thinking, why don't we do things like that? Why don't we do, um, like, doesn't the basketballers do this in their, um, uh, what do they call it, in their, uh the all-star weekend they have things like 3 point uh shooting competition slam dunk competition well in NRL why not have fastest player um why not have a goal kicking competition mm. why not have a field goal kicking competition or just a kicking competition you know yeah. there's so many things you could do um you know and at the end of it crown someone fastest player best goal kicker Mm. you know make it official make it really interesting i reckon the fans will really get behind it and i'll tell you what if you built that into you know a couple of hours worth of uh activities in in suncorp stadium on a magic weekend i reckon it would be absolutely fantastic but tish maybe sticking with the magic round rather than other rounds uh i've got an idea for one other round but Magic round, what other ideas do you have, Tish? Uh, for yeah. ways that the NRL could really capitalize on that atmosphere and that theme.
1: Well, look, yeah, Dr. T, I think I think it's good because like I think you've named like you know, there's a few rounds that we already have. Obviously, Easter, Anzac, now, now we've got the Magic Round. Um, a couple of others, and I think some of the ones that I that I'm thinking of is actually kind of stuff that is uh that they've done before and but officially or unofficially, but um I, I never heard of colored lead round. I really like that idea, but I'll get to that in a moment. I think, firstly, magic round, let's have a non Queensland magic round. Let's do another magic round, but not in Queensland like we do every year, right? Um, I think it's turned into Suncorp Stadium round. Um, the magic is <laughs> yeah, gone. Yeah, fair enough. Like, do you know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> and, and, and the reality is, um, you know, I think the NRL has taken the Marvel approach that, um, you know, where, you know, in my. You know, Thor says in you know, Thor one, you know, in my world, science and magic are the same thing. Well, that's not really in the real world. So I think we need to, if we're gonna have a magic round, we're gonna to have to have a science round as well. Um oh,
0: great idea. You great know, just to, to, to sort of do it.
1: Um, you know, heritage round, everybody goes back to their old jerseys for a round, I think would be good. Um wow. and if you're Love gonna it. have a if you're gonna have a heritage round, you should also have a future round where you predict what your colours are going to be in the next 25 years, (laughs) and you wear that jersey of the future, right? (laughs) Um, You know, just sort of, you know, just sort of do it. Um, You know, I'm thinking at the moment, like, you know, uh, the climate is very important. Why don't we have an under-the-sea round um, where, um, you know, you sort of, um, you know, the Broncos become the seahorses, um, and then, like, I don't know what you're going to do with the sharks and the eels and the dolphins, they just uh, stay as they are, they just stay as are. But, like, you know, the storm can become the typhoons. Um, you know, what I mean, like, you know, the tigers can, can become tiger, tiger sharks, I suppose, tiger crabs. I'm not sure, sure, but but it's all <laughs> under the same theme. Uh, tiger prawns, tiger prawns, that's right. Um, and then, look, why don't we go to the air and why don't we do a bird round? Um, where, where you know um where we all have different birds and look going back to your color rush round um, why do we have dark and whites only round where we strip all the colors out of all the teams and we just try and determine the teams through the different patterns that each team gets. Uh, assigned for
0: those it's a it's it's a a colorblind awareness week
1: (laughs) colorblind awareness week and look you know um you know (laughs) yeah i I was thinking about this you know everybody wearing a beanie well another thing that everybody could wear is shoulder pads so we could have a head and shoulders round for dandruff care
0: well tish i'm so glad i raised these topics with you (laughs) because i've I'm, I'm struggling to note these down, like literally okay. you, you, your ideas are coming too thick and fast for okay. my fingers to type them into my letter to the NRL, to <laughs> Andrew Abdo and to Peter Volandis to suggest these wonderful ideas. Um, I have a couple myself and then I'll throw okay. it back to you. But look, I, I wasn't as uh, outlandish as some of yours, but look, we... We we have I think we've had this in the past, but re, I reckon we have a regular regional round mm. where we take every game to a regional area um, and not only do that because again that that would be an NRL thing would just be stick with one idea and then keep it simple. Whereas I think let's take it further. How about we redesign jerseys again? Have a, a special kind of thing where the the NRL team go into a particular area. Adopts a team in the area, you know, in that whatever area they're going to. Both teams do, so you adopt the two opposing teams. So if you're heading out to, you know, who knows, South Coast of New South Wales somewhere, you know, you've got uh, one team can be uh, one team's jersey could be redesigned in in uh, I don't know, name it uh, the Dollar colours, and then the other team, <laughs> the, the other Dulla team Colors. can be redesigned as the uh, What's what's near what's near Isle of Um Bateman's Bay, the Bateman's Bay, whatever they are. You know, this is what I mean. Like take uh, take the local teams, adopt a team, and create a special jersey. Again, limited edition. Um, you know, for those that are collectors of memorabilia, you give them many opportunities to to get limited editions of different jerseys. But wouldn't it be good to see that to see you know the eels or whoever whoever it is that's playing in that particular game, you know, adopt have a second badge, you know, of of a local regional team, uh, just for that game. Uh, yeah. I reckon it'll be memorable. And then and then what they do is the two teams that are there, they spend some time in that local community, like actually doing outreach activities. Um, so again, that's just not saying it's a regional round and just going to Bathurst or whatever. Actually yeah. going to a specific sort of small towns or whatever and mm. really, really spreading the word. I mean, I think it would do so much for our community outreach activities as the NRL. And and a final idea I've got is a superhero round. Now, I know we've mm-hmm. had Marvel round in the past, so I'm all for re restarting that. But how about one where you got get DC heroes as well? Mm. So, you know, instead of just having an Iron Man or a Spider-Man or whatever, Captain America, bring us a Batman, bring us a Superman. Um, Green Lantern, Canberra Raiders. There you go. It's all done. Mm. Um, Although I did like the Hulk version for Canberra, but anyway. Yeah. Um, But again, look, so much we can do.
1: That's Marvel. You could do Lantern for DC and Marvel for like Hulk,
0: right? Yeah, but, I mean, if if you're looking for a team that's green, mm. you know, there's really only one, Canberra. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, look, there's so many more opportunities. But, look, uh, let's wrap this one up unless you want to yeah. throw in well, another I'll, final idea.
1: I'll throw in an, a serious one because I think a lot of mine were a bit silly. But I, I, I was going to say that, like, um, you know, you you, you you use the word specific and then I just heard pacific. And I was thinking, well, you know what? Like um, we're talking about having magic around New Zealand and they were talking about some people are saying, why don't we do one that's like sort of in one of these Pacific nations? Well, I don't think they have the capacity to do that, but we could do one in in each of the Pacific islands that we're trying to grow. Do you know what I mean? Um yeah. You know, like, you know, like. You know, there's a lot of talk about, you know, Chinese influence in the region. Well, let's get some NRL influence in there, right? Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, uh, a game in the Solomon Islands, a game in Fiji, a game in Tonga, Samoa, Cook Islands. Uh, we need eight, so we could figure Hawaii. That's sort of in the Pacific. Um, we could find them. I mean, even technically, I mean- We could find eight. We could find A. We could find A. And and look, I mean, I've I've said this all along. And um, the Philippines is not a part of Asia. There's not one part of the Philippines in Asia. It's all in the Pacific. So let's let's get a team in the Philippines. You know. Um, yeah, absolutely, good yeah. idea. And, and you know what? Japan. None of Japan is on is on the Asian continent either, right? <laughs> like, so let's. Yeah,
0: see. It's close enough though. But yeah. yeah yeah you're right.
1: Yeah. Like, I like
0: I think Hawaii is a good idea. I mean I think I think whoever whichever team gets to go to Hawaii in the middle of winter in the southern hemisphere <laughs> yes would love it because mm. it'd be nice and sunny over there. So yeah. they'd love it over there. Yeah. I um, feel like, I feel like this
1: is um I'm basically we're just outlining uh the travel plans for for eight of the teams that will leave on Mad Monday, right? Like that's
0: right, that's <laughs> right. It's Mad Mon. It's ma- let's just let's just call it Mad Monday week uh, round. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> why not just do that? All right, look, I think uh, there's some great ideas uh, in the midst of some silly ones, but look, yeah, NRL, you need to step up your game. I do want to see in the Magic Round in future. I want to see fastest NRL player, best mm. goal kicker. Do it longest it's not that hard to do. Whatever, whatever you mm. do, best chess player. I don't know. Do whatever mm. you want. Yeah, um, it's it's uh, it's all in your hands. In I think you you can do it. All right, let's move on to our fifth tackle. It's about the UK Super League. Here we go. All right. So the latest news we were talking earlier about. The, the great crowds in Sydney. But the latest news, uh, uh, well, there's, there's various articles that, that have been telling us that the Super League crowds in the UK are booming at the moment. Wow. Unexpectedly. Um, now, you know, you've got basically since COVID, a lot of the the grounds, you know, same sort of thing as what I mentioned earlier, expectations are uh, pretty uh Pretty high, I guess, back to the game. But um, you know, you've got examples of Castleford filling their stadium at 10,000 spaces. Um, you know, again, this wasn't always the case. Um, we've got Hull KR last week, sold out game with Warrington. Um, and this was a so, not last week, a couple of weeks ago. Um Good Friday, they I think they had a capacity there against uh, with Saints and Wigan. Um and so it's it's happening. It's happening all over the UK. There's a lot of I'm I'm just r- trying to read an article here, uh, but but in summary, um, you know there's well there's two crowds in two clubs in particular Hull and Warrington have doubled their crowds, mm. um, and and the things that they have in common are 21st century facilities, large populations, ambitious owners, and no Super League titles. Mm. <laughs> that seems wow. to be the reason. it
1: <laughs> yeah. seems
0: to be the reason why you're getting a massive increase, admittedly, from a very low base. Mm. But I think, you know, again, if the news is right, if the media article is right, there's a lot to be said for um this, you know, very positive news finally out of the UK, where yeah. in some cases some clubs are getting. Uh, you know, increasing average crowds. So good on them over there yeah. in the UK. Um, keep it up. And I, I wonder whether there's similar reasons for what's happening here in Sydney as yeah. well, that, that some of the crowds are starting to come back. Uh, they, they've just been starved of good football.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think also because uh, two years, everything locked away. Now we've got the chance to go out and watch Rugby League. And people, uh, you know, I think we got used to complaining about how bad it is going to the games. But I think people like, you know what, we missed it. It is actually quite fun to go to the games and get be part of the action, be around people. So I think well done to the Super League. They're obviously doing good things right. And yeah, those ground upgrades that you're talking about, I think this is why uh, PVL, And the NRL pushing hard for the state governments to sort of uh, upgrade the facilities and the suburban grounds. You're already seeing the crowds coming back, but people don't go because of the facilities sometimes. So I think, you know, doing those renovations is going to be really important, and even. I think the NRL is looking into ownership of several grounds as well. I think that's a fantastic idea because I think um, the more you've got in control, the more you we can do uh, at the game. So, um, yeah, let's hope this trend will, will uh,
0: reciprocate in Australia too. Absolutely. All right. Here we go with our final tackle, the tips for round 10, the magic round. Here we go. Right. so last week, uh, you got five out of eight. I got six out of eight, which takes us to a total of 47 each. So we're wow. on level pegging. Um, let's do it. Magic round. Bulldogs v. Knights. I'm tipping the Knights. I think the Bulldogs have done well, but uh, something tells me the Knights are going to bounce back.
1: Yeah, look, I'm with you. I'm going to tip the
0: Knights. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Manly Broncos. This is going to be an interesting one because I yeah. think both, I think this probably be the match of the round actually, ironically. And I think the Broncos will win this one. I think, uh, yeah, they're, they're they're showing some good form.
1: Yeah. Well, look this week, um, look, magic round is going to be really hard to fit. There's some really t- tough games to pick, especially this one. I'm going to get it to Brisbane because I think it is, uh, you know, well, it's their home ground. So yeah.
0: Fair enough. (laughs) Warriors and Rabbitohs. The Cody Walker captaincy experiment, I think, will work to their favour. I think Souths will win this one and win it quite easily. Okay, I'm going to back my leadership analysis. I'm going to tip the Warriors. Let's do that.
1: Let's do that. Let's, uh, yeah.
0: Dragons v Titans. Um, Look, this will be an interesting one because I think both have been fairly inconsistent so far, lodged in the bottom half of the draw. Um, I think the Dragons have got a little bit more to play for. They were hurt after Melbourne, Melbourne's flogging, and I think they'll bounce back.
1: Yeah, well, uh, Kieran Foran, used joining the Titans, I think that is going to uh, give them the edge. I'm going to tip the Titans because, um, you know, a uh, lot's been said about them, but I think they'll, they could hit back with this game.
0: All right. Magic round gives us 1v2. Storm v Panthers, both white hot. Unless they play for the Eels, of course, where the Eels beat them. <laughs> oh, yeah. But apart from that, this will be a, a real great game. I guess the question is, the Panthers coming off an Eels defeat, couldn't, can they bounce back? I think they will. I think the Storm have been absolute purple hot, mm. but I think this has been against poor opposition. I think the Panthers have what it takes to uh, defeat them yet again.
1: I'm going to tip Melbourne. Uh, I just think that they've got so much form, and um, I think they're going to be really motivated to win this game because I think the last game, the uh, uh, Panthers won, so I think Melbourne's going to win this one.
0: All right. Cronulla Sharks versus Canberra Raiders. Um, look, I think Nico Hines uh, is just killing it at the Sharks. I think they're a different team with him there at halfback. Yeah. And I think they'll continue their winning ways. Sharks yeah. Sharks for mine.
1: Well, um, okay, I'm going to tip the Raiders, and the reason why is because um, you know the Sharks have done the same thing Brad Arthur did a few weeks ago. They've moved their best player to a different position for no good reason, I think. So why is Nico Hunt playing fullback? I know he played it last year, but
0: man, oh, no, did it. they do that? Oh, yeah, that they that moved into terrible. fullback.
1: So I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to tip the Raiders because I I feel
0: like yeah
1: a bad idea. <laughs>
0: I still think the Raiders will find a way to lose that game. But anyway, yeah. uh, Roosters versus Eels. No question. I'm going to tip the Eels. Easy win.
1: <laughs> yeah, same here. Um,
0: I think the Eels,
1: they have to win this game because I think they've got more pressure this time because they've actually won the game because everybody knows how they thought of drop ends after winning good games. So I think the Eels are going to
0: do it this time. All right. And finally, Tigers and the Cowboys a replay of the 2005 grand final. Um, Look, the Cowboys are just plodding along. Mm. Uh, They're getting there. The Tigers have been up and down recently. This is going to be a tough one, actually. Yeah. I'm tipping the Cowboys, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Tigers win this one.
1: Yeah, I'll be completely (laughs) surprised if the Tigers win. I think um, back to their losing ways again, the Tigers two, two in a row. Um, I think the cows have got this. Uh, Todd Payton, we should have signed you as coach a few years ago when nobody else wanted you, but you wanted to come here. But there you go.
0: I know we we had him we had him as one of the first coaches that to get sacked as well I think last year or yeah. this year so you know Todd Payton proving us all wrong mm. all right well that is the magic round hopefully it is magic for you hopefully if you're in Brisbane get out there and support uh, your team and any team really and enjoy the day uh, the days uh, that, that you're there. Um, Tish, that wraps up our podcast. Thank you so much. It's been an epic one. We've talked about some really interesting things. Hopefully everyone out there uh, you enjoyed it as well. Um, enjoy Magic Round And Tish, over to you to wrap this one up. Well, thank you, Dr. T. And I'd like to thank everybody for listening.
1: Um, but look, but that's all the time that we have for this edition of the Rugby League Republic. We're your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. Join us next time on the Rugby League Republic. Bye for now.